Welcome to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album or a band or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of a hype machine of its time. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of a very, very unhinged group text that simply refused to die. Moving right along, let's meet the disowned members of the Danielson family. (laughs) Wow. Deep cut. Yeah, Yeah, I'm kind of running out of... (laughs) <laughs> i'm i'm noah i am the riled man i'm adrian i am the producer and i'm pro indie rock and uh in the immortal words of one lewis barlow uh, just give me any rock and i'm just your host caleb <laughs> and welcome to our episode seven we've made it Seventh heaven. Seven. Seventh heaven. That's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. So, um, yeah, Noah, what are we up to today? Well, today, I mean, we, we're done riffing on the number seven. Don't that nothing? <laughs> we'll, co- we'll come back to that. Seven heaven. So, yeah, I guess that's seven minutes in heaven. Yep. Did anybody ever actually do that? Or that's just, that's just I'll like sitcom tell. stuff, right? <laughs> Did you ever I, get a seven I, minutes? Uh, I never got a seven minutes, but uh, I, I, I've, I've heard been people around can last seven, seven minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've true. gotten up into around seven minutes. But never. Man, my back starts hurting after about three and a half. <laughs> I am the riled man after all. <laughs> the riled. Don't get him too riled up, folks. No, 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 Caleb. Mellow. Caleb, no, that's not what I said. I am the rye old man. Oh, I thought you said riled <laughs> man, like you're all riled up. No, W-R-Y old man. My rye sense of humor. Okay, so you're like Bill Callahan to bring it to bring it back in, in, in such a way. Yeah, I bend a, I can bend a phrase. <laughs> nice. I totally had bread. that set Good up before. Too. I was like, Please comment on Rye Old Man, which will, which will lead me to my Rye Old Man chunk. Yeah, how are you going to bring it? Were you just going to be like, um, you know, I, this reminds me of like the album cover. Doesn't it remind you of bread, like rye bread? Yeah, rye kind bread. of a little bit. Yeah. Like, why are you talking about that? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, you know, what's funny, guys, kind of non sequitur here that, uh, what, you know, what episode of Seinfeld was on the other day? The uh, marbled, marbled, uh, what was that bread? What was the bread of the episode? <laughs> Was marbled <laughs> rye that's, that's right well anyways we digress as always um Noah, yes today what the fuck we are we are, doing we're doing deer hunters cryptograms album from 2000 is it seven or six 2007 that's right all right deer hunter that's, cryptograms that's right we take a look at Michael Cimino's masterpiece, a gritty yet tender depiction of our collective disillusionment towards wars, both phone and domestic, and how this parasitic relationship serves to create an ever-expanding fetid wound right in the heart of America. Diddy Mouth. Right? Um, yeah, no, Diddy we're Mal. doing Deer Hunter, the 2007 arcade game featured in Mini a Bar. 
that's a big buck the, uh, hunter. Sorry, I wasn't listening at all to what we've all been saying. Kingfish, Kingfish had that deer hunter game, I think. Yeah, Pappy's had it too, I believe. It's a fun game. Shout out Pappy, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, RIP. <laughs> RIP. Yeah, yeah. To make it corrective, we are doing the Deer Hunter album cryptograms and, and Adrian. Yeah. What's the yes. what's up with this album? What did Pitchfork give us, say give us, about this? Give us some specs. All what right, did Pitchfork get... say about this fucking album? <laughs> let's get into it. Uh so Pitchfork gave it an eight point nine. <laughs> it gave it a score of eight. There's rats 9. in here, Michael. There's rats in here. All right. All right. <laughs> um so yeah, they gave it an eight point nine, pretty high. Uh, you know, uh, best new music uh, as well. So they were really high on this record. Um, the review was by Mark Hogan, and I pulled the uh, the yeah brother, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a real American over here. Um, but uh, I pulled the the little blurb. The, you know how I, they have the little blurb uh, when you go to the site. They have the little blurb under the picture. This is that yeah. little blurb for this one. Uh, I just felt it summed it up pretty nicely. Is that what I a said, cryptogram is? That little blur? No, cryptogram's like um like zodiac killer shit. No, I think cryptogram oh. is when you send somebody bitcoin. It's a cryptogram. <laughs> I think no, actually it's when you buy uh cocaine on uh like Silk Road. No, it's it's you, when a, you, it's when a, a gram, No, it's when a gram of coke kills you. It's a cryptogram. You get sent it's when you can't find your bag of ketamine. It's cryptic. You're like, I don't know right. where it is. I don't know where to so find it. So all my pre-written jokes have uh, played out. So I'm all right. <laughs> we're See going you guys. In, we're going in. We're going in dry for the rest of the Happy episode. St. Patty's. Bye bye. <laughs> gotta go drink. <laughs> all right, Adrian. Fucking say please. Uh, we'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, let's get back on God. track. Um, all right, so. Here is the here's the blurb. This Atlanta Five Pieces shimmering cranky debut is alternately murky and ethereal, drawing equal influence from classic shoegaze, early Factory Records LPs, and the enigmatic ambient record recordings in with which it shares a label, shifting between impressionistic, reverb saturated reverie and psych heavy pop gems. Uh, so yeah, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, it depicts it well. Sums yeah. it up. And in terms of this band's deal, um, I, you know, I've always thought about them in the kind of context of that the little crop of uh, Atlanta bands, which, in retrospect, wasn't that big. I mean, for a city that's like kind of a regional hub, there was only like maybe I don't know five to six bands that got above. Yeah, above surface, outside you know? of those six indie rock bands, Atlanta really has no music scene to speak <laughs> of, right? Yeah, no, not that I've heard Just of those five um, bands of uh, white guys. Yeah. They didn't take over hip hop and thus take over the world, did they? With the Atlanta music, <laughs> it's not the most. I want to know. It's not the most heard city in music I, history, is it? How would I? How would I know that? I I host a uh, indie rock podcast. So <laughs> I'm not exactly that demo. Yeah, uh, no, I they, was talking spe specifically about that kind of mid 2000s. Yeah, kind there was of that documentary garage guys, deal. Yeah, the we do fun, we fun or whatever. We fun, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like inside out. It was more kind like, of like a more like refund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they like that. They hyped it up for that to be like, oh, we're the next, you know, we're the next Brooklyn or we're the next like Silver Lake or whatever. And it was really just like the Black Lips, 
King Kong and the Shrines who weren't problematic even, band name. You probably got to change yeah, that. Who weren't even based in Atlanta that much. And then like the coat hangers and of course Deer Hunter, but King yeah, Kong, it was just King like, Kong barbecue. I was kind of into yep. him. <laughs> yeah. And uh and then yeah, kind of just went away. But I definitely think that Deer Hunter was probably I mean the Black Lips had their moments and still continue to make music and that's some pretty classic Black albums, Lips but... are all together problematic, dude. If you go back and they have that album cover where they're dressed in like Aladdin, like and it's called like Arabian Nights or some shit is the album. Ooh. It's they're weirdly insensitive. Don't need to of. look that up. They're bratty brats. They're they're yeah. I mean lame. that's their whole that's their whole thing. Yeah, that's kind of someone saying, who that's... listened to them quite a bit. Now I think about that, I'm like, I don't know about those guys. <laughs> I had a summer. I had I literally had a black lip summer. I just like listened to that album came out in like 2007 or whatever. It was pretty pretty big. Um, listen to that a lot. It's good summer jams. But yeah, beyond that, the Atlanta indie thing really never. I don't know. Never really took off aside from Deer Hunter, which is the reason why we're all here today. Yeah. What's some other. um, Do we go over like the general history of this album? No, I can get into some of the background now. Um, So, yeah, we've been talking about it. They are definitely from Atlanta. This uh, was recorded in this record was recorded in 2005 in a rural studio uh in georgia and produced by chris bishop uh i don't have any other um listings for him but uh it was their second attempt at recording the album followed uh following a a failed attempt uh in new york at the rare book room uh they weren't ready for prime time well what i guess what happened was bradford cox's physical and mental state was kind of deteriorating they were up against some malfunctioning equipment and some other things that happened. So it just it altogether was a failure. And uh, they kind of returned to Atlanta with their tail between their legs and were like, oh, what the fuck, what do we do? And actually, they were encouraged to get back into the studio by the dudes from Liars. Uh, they were like, hey, you know, why don't you give it a shot? There's some good stuff here. So, but they were like, we were lying to you. <laughs> That's our whole don't, can't deal. trust us. Um, but actually it's interesting because Bradford Cox says that that initial session or whatever, it was, it sounded like my bloody Valentine on mushrooms, but in a bad way. Yeah. So he, and he's like, we're never going to release it. And of course, like five years later, they release it on their band camp and you can go hear it there. Yeah. So it'd be like that kind of mushrooms where like you like takes you like 10 minutes to light a cigarette. (laughs) Like, <laughs> yeah this is not mushroom music this is like pillhead um, music yeah a little uh, yeah bit. totally uh actually and, i think part of uh i forget what song but one of the songs was definitely inspired by uh codeine um nice. but so it was released uh by cranky on january 29th 2007 i don't know if you guys are familiar with with cranky but they are pretty cranky with the k cranky with yeah. the k pretty fantastic fantastic label. label that's like that's a big part of my uh next segment about my personal history so good yeah good for sure uh, good label name i will say that too yeah mm-hmm. yeah great la- great yeah. Uh, logo too um, i love their show too the, the cranky yankers <laughs> that's some good rich some good comedy i like the eminem character <laughs> <laughs> i'm just sold on whatever like, not gonna throw away my shot Cause I got spaghetti <laughs> on my arm and I'm hungry and I'm ready. I'm not going to throw away my shot. That's Eminem, right? 
is. Uh, for me, I'm just a big Adam Carolla head. Anything Adam Carolla does, I just uh, oh, have, yeah. to, have to watch. Oh, hell yeah. Love, Love line. line, Love line that's saved, the reason saved my life slash changed my life. Changed my life. That's the reason I'm here today as a podcast <laughs> host is because my love station. for the theater of the mind, the audio arts. You know what's crazy, though? We Love clown. Line. We kid on old Adam Carolla. He's a piece of shit. But Dr. <laughs> Drew, equal piece of shit. Almost oh, more yeah, of a piece of shit, a, honestly. Almost yeah. worse. Yeah. That guy's like a sociopath, like maniac. And yet we all listen to them for hours in our childhood. Um, I went to, I fell asleep to the dulcet tones of Dr. Drew, Adam Carolla, and like teenage kids getting exploited for <laughs> radio yeah. entertainment. Yeah, well, for I, being like sexually active, it was just like insane <laughs> slut shaming and like, like all this other dad. horrible crap. Remember they it would did, gamble? They'd be like, this girl, she's got that little kid voice. Let's gamble. See like what her oh, what yeah. history God. was. God. What her history. Like yeah. you want to do a couple dollars, a couple bucks, a couple bucks. Terrible. It's like, aren't you a fucking doctor, dude? What the fuck is your talk about like phone side manner? Jesus Christ. I remember watching, remember when it was on uh, MTV? I remember watching an episode oh, yeah. where there was a call in from Santa Maria, California. Ooh, nice. It was definitely some teenage pregnancy drama from what I remember, which uh, was classic Santa Maria. Me. Yeah. That's what gave us the all American seal. All right. Anyways, well, um, let's bring it back. So what back to, we? We were talking about back their to the <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> we got Bradford, so, Bradford Cox. <laughs> That's a funny last name. <laughs> Bradford. Uh, uh but it would, so the record uh, was recorded in two parts, which you can clearly hear. Uh, I mean, it's very distinctly two different parts. Yeah. Um, and each part was recorded in a single day. Uh, the last sound on the first half of the record, I forget the name of this song, maybe Red Ink. Um, but anyways, the, the last sound sound octet, on that is... I believe. I think it's after Octet, but... Um, okay. Yeah, Red it, Ink is seven. It's the... It's the last sound. Um, sorry, the last sound on the record is the tape spinning off the reel, uh, which is kind of a cool little uh, little piece. And then, um, so there's uh, a bunch of different themes on the record. You know, uh, Cox is experience with genetic his genetic disorder, Marfan syndrome. Is it plays a big, huge part of it. Um, they talk about death and companionship. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on um, underneath all the murkiness. Mm -hmm. uh and the weirdness um yeah and so i have a I think a, him a, and the dude from liars would make a pretty good front court <laughs> oh because they're just tall and long yeah they're tall they're tall guys can they shoot the three <laughs> i don't three know D, uh, baby three and d that's what we need the they league has been destroyed by the three-pointer i don't know you think they you think they could take on the arcade fire dudes are they Ooh. tall men no tall he was yeah. in the all-star game yeah those dudes are those dudes are ballers Win Butler, yeah. poor poor. Uh, Maybe we'll little, do like a fantasy baby. bracket for March Madness. Who was it, the baby or little baby that got like roasted for his his basketball skills this past uh, All Star weekend? It was pretty fucked up. I didn't catch it. I was podcasting that weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, all right. So to kind of wrap it up. We um we they did release a, a four track EP that's sort of a follow up called Fluorescent Gray, and that eventually ended up becoming the fourth side of the double album when uh, the album was pressed to vinyl. And nice. I so I I've been listening to it that way as kind of like 
the record into fluorescent gray and it, it works pretty nicely um so yeah, yeah i think that's i have a few things a few facts about some of the songs here but i'll get into that um when we start talking about the tracks uh, but yeah so that, start that's, to solve the puzzle that's about uh, all i have great yeah but, you um, know each episode we like to um, dive into what our personal backgrounds with this album are so um let's go we'll start with noah this week change it up a little bit Noah, what's your um personal history with cryptograms yeah my history for me i always thought these guys were emblematic of erratic relics of psychedelic regalia made by would-be wonderkins posing as princes of psychotic pop slash solemnistic <laughs> indie rock all right. Well, I guess you just done. said that right off the right off your dome. That was, yeah, wow. I always thought of them as You're, emblematic of a radical. I mean, this is a compliment, <laughs> Noah. Made by millennial would-be wonderkins posing as princess of psychotic, solemnistic pop slash indie rock. I mean, I mean, this is a compliment. You're very articulate. <laughs> no, um, that was my own little pitchfork review. I'm also, this is like me trying to get a job at pitchfork as well this is an audition tape have they followed us back yet no i keep i hound them like five times a day i don't even Wait, know if this... it's the real schreiber is on there ryan schreiber is this why you're uh he is on there i definitely follow him. but is uh is this a backdoor is this your backdoor pilot attempt to get on the pitch for if you can't beat him join him baby <laughs> Yeah, the our Twitter is pretty syncophantic in terms of like, oh great coverage of new Miley Cyrus album. I thought that was a really pitch. insightful review. Hashtag yeah. pitch, hashtag fork, hashtag pitch fork, hashtag Here's my pitch fork. You need a column about Yeah. London hip hop. No, okay. So this is a that's a good segue, Caleb, into my personal history. Because by two thousand seven, yes, I was still I was still mining Pitchfork for like music recommendations and was still trying to keep up with new music and the indie rock and all that. But 2007 really was, I was starting to wane already with this music. Like it was to the point where I was like, I'm not going to follow any new young bands anymore. And especially I think it was my age in 2007 where it's like, I'm like the same age as these guys are a little bit older or something. It's like, I don't really I need totally to beat know. them up if I wanted to. Yeah. I don't <laughs> need to know what the kids are doing these days anymore. And they always, to me, they always sounded like so many other bands that I already listened to. I was like, I don't need another one in my life really. <laughs> in 2007, I was, I remember I that year much spe before. specifically, I was in such a deep dive into um, like golden, golden age hip-hop at the time so i was kind of leaving all this stuff behind really. are you an old head noah <laughs> yeah. well it will shout out santa maria library but i was we talked about it earlier they had all the wu-tang spinoff albums so i was diving deep into that and then the earlier stuff like i remember at the library they had like all the rock ham and eric b albums like all Three yeah, four. Paid, him, mm -hmm. paid him full and all that. Follow the leader. So I got those three albums and just fucking listened to them all the time. a bunch of Gangstar and shit too. Yeah, and then I it was also at the point too where I was listening to like every Public Enemy album because they were like pretty pro prolific. And then I think I saw Public Enemy like in 2008 or something. Um, so at the time, I was just kind of leaving all this stuff behind. Like Deer Hunter was just like, ah. And, um, it's a young man's game. Yeah, I definitely heard and I definitely saw like I 
I, I kind of followed that Atlanta stuff with black lips and the, the guy King Kong barbecue show or whatever. And that stuff was kind of interesting to me. And this album I would have heard um, on MySpace, I think first. And then I had somebody burned me the fluorescent gray EP. It might've been burned with both this album and fluorescent gray. So I got it like a year later. Um, and I think Adrian, you might've even burned that for me. The fluorescent gray slash this album. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like it was one of those, it was, or fluorescent gray was definitely tagged on to the, uh, another burned album for sure. It was like, I'll throw Fluorescent gray. The- sounds like a burnt, like a CDR company. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like Ted Danson's hair. Oh, take nice. that, Ted. He's got that. Check glow. out Mr. Mayor Thursdays on NBC. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mayor with Bobby Moynihan is fucking has me rolling in my yeah. sheets. It's a bunch of assholes from New York making L.A. jokes. You'll love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this album never did much for me. But I will say Deer Hunter was a band that like, I think all of us have like a friend that's more into Deer Hunter than you ever are. Like for me, for me, that friend was a uh, shout out Nate, Nasty Nate, not com- oh, Nasty Nashville Nate. Yeah, not to be confused with Naughty Nat, but this is Nasty <laughs> Nate. And I remember I he was like, "You ever listen to? Yeah, got check him out, check him out for like a couple years." And I hadn't seen him in a couple years, and then we went and uh, were had like a lost weekend in San Francisco with a whole bunch of old friends. <laughs> And he, and this was like 2010 and he had just seen, um, deer hunter and was so into that halcyon digest album and he was yeah. playing deer hunter all weekend. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool. weird move for, for a dirty weekend. And I never had yeah. the heart to tell him, be like, I think this shit kind of is boring. Like it's not my <laughs> bag, man. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, they were never my thing, but I definitely listened to them. And it was just, they caught me at the, if maybe this album came out like a year or two earlier, maybe I would have gone in hard on deer hunter. Um, but uh, yeah, just not, not really for me, you know, I, again, I said they're like emblematic of erratic relics of psychedelic regalia made by millennial would-be wonderkins posing as princes of psychotic, solemcistic pop slash indie rock. Um, yeah, that's kind of how that I still feel about them to this day. Right on. Uh, what about you, Adrian? Uh, it's interesting. Um, because I had a similar kind of thing with these guys where I remember this record coming out, uh, seeing like that album cover, which I've always really liked. Uh, and, and just being like, this, this seems like something I should fucking be all in on. Like, this is everything I like, like, you know, it's got my bloody Valentine's Donic youth, you know, factory records, you know, like all the touchstones of shit that I love. And yet I didn't, get this record when it came out for some reason wasn't until fluorescent gray came out that i went back and was like okay now i I get it i like i I really like this band and and then i ended up really loving cryptograms um not quite as much as the next record uh microcastle but this Mm. this one you know it definitely had it in my car i remember going to community college and listening listening to it super loud and it was it you know 
it's definitely a, an album that you can kind of get uh, wrapped up in just because of the way that it, it, it does sound kind of murky and mysterious and it has this kind of cloud over at least, over at least the first half. But yeah, I, I didn't come to it right away. And then when I did, though, I, I was all in on this band. And, you know, and I, I, you know, no, you're like, we all have a friend that was way more into Deer Hunter than anyone else. Like that might have been me for a few people. Although I never, <laughs> I never played it, like tried to do that for people, but I would definitely, you know, play it at work or whatever. And like you said, I probably did burn that for you. Uh, that yeah. does sound about right. So um, I, I definitely I, I was remember more listening to that fluorescent gray. So that tracks because you were more, it sounds like you're more into the EP than the LP. Yeah. And so I, I have more of a, a memory listening to that EP, which is not on Spotify, by the way. Deer Hunter, you might want to get cranky records on that. Or it, the... it, it's on Spotify. Oh, it was. I thought I searched it. I couldn't... You got to scroll you down. I want to check your Spotify now. Maybe I misspelled fluorescent. Maybe you got. Oh, wait, bunk. I put post pubescent. <laughs> My pubes are turning gray. <laughs> um, is that from but... Crankankers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, we're here from the Gray Pube Association. <laughs> Uh, we got a call that's uh, uh, well, there's some reports of uh, some uh, pubes. Yeah, that show was definitely written by just like fucking like dartboard in the writing room. Just like, uh. show's great, better than yeah. Family Guy. I'll say that. Yeah, it's random. random. Sorry, uh, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, I I like the record. I was way more into the EP, um, but you know, it yeah, I liked it. So that's about it. But yeah, right on. Um, What's that? Oh, I did. I downloaded it eventually. I just didn't buy it like right when it came out. Uh, so no Best Buy trip. I don't even know. No if Best Buy trip. Yeah. Um, no, be- no Best Buy. Shout out Best Buy. Um, yeah, I never really got into this band like at all. Um, I, I knew of them for sure, especially. Uh, is it Bradford or Branford? Bradford. Bradford. Bradford Cox. Um <laughs> I'd, I'd known about him because he was kind of becoming a, you know, an indie celeb in a way. And he had this um, kind of allure. And like you were saying, like the his personal histories with his, you know, his mental health issues and his medical condition and things um, was like very much talked about how to influence the album. So I remember seeing like, you know, in Fader or whatever other kind of publications, Pitchfork, there'd be like profiles and stuff of him. So that's kind of where they surfaced for me. Um, and also through the Atlanta thing, um, which I, you know, was like a minor fan of, uh, especially with like um, Black Lips and stuff that I liked that summer. So I feel like I had this summer where I was either still in Arcata when everyone else was gone or I was like in Santa Barbara not working or something. I just had a lot of downtime and I was just kind of writing the blogs, both those like your media fire blogs where you're just downloading files for free and just like with like blurbs. Or um, making the occasional trip to, you know, Morning Glory or Boo Boo's or whatever, and picking up indie CDs and things. So, um, it I believe my uh, exposure to them came out of that summer, and um, I knew they were like gonna be a big band, and they had all this like hype and steam behind them. Um, but I never, maybe didn't really listen to them. I thought they kind of came off as kind of exhausting and very cryptic, you know, to quote their album part of their album title so like yeah i don't know i just knew they kind of had all this um like 
extra musical pieces of them and i don't know if i was like i don't say ready for that but maybe not as interested and um which is you know kind of weird because i was definitely getting into more eclectic and dare i say like academic style of indie music that wasn't like so much the rock and stuff so you know bands like you know whatever frog eyes and like akron family and like animal collective all these bands that like didn't really rock but were definitely kind of weirdos and also i would put like grizzly bear and stuff into that um where it just seemed like yeah they were taking more cues from your brian enos of the world using um you know using studios as a member or as a, like an instrument and things like that. So there seems like things were kind of trending in that direction. And I think I lumped that all in with uh, deer hunter and just like never really got around to listening to them, um, which is weird. Cause I knew that they were on cranky, which is a fucking wonderful label. You know, I was definitely like listening to stars of the lid and grouper and uh, like definitely Tim Hecker was like kind of my first exposure to um, that label and i knew that label was killer like for experimental music minimal music um, so yeah it's primarily a minimalist kind of distributor yeah. right yep yeah, yeah minimalist Where, music ambient music a lot of like ins- like yeah i got like wendy and carl who's like kind of like you know very popular instrumentalist like minimal like ambient duo came out of that and um yeah i got saying pan american's big yeah and um and that was cool. That, uh, but then I had heard them, like, oh, but I thought they're like some snotty indie rock band because I was like lumping it into like that yeah. garage thing that was happening in Atlanta. I thought that didn't fit. So I was like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, but they never fit back, in with those guys, really. They really don't. But I think their approach was similar. They definitely had like a DIY kind of shambolic like flair to them, um, even, even though they weren't as like propulsive or like as simple as you know black lips I, I definitely think it makes sense they all kind of i don't know if they shared members or but they all kind of came out of the same group of bands from like that same region and era so it, it makes sense a little bit looking back but um yeah well, maybe that's what have, i'm looking for i think they all have sorry not to interrupt i think they all have oh, yeah, no in punk rock i think that that's kind of probably what got them all together and then they all kind of found their own sounds from that um yeah but yeah they were definitely all connected and definitely all knew each other and played with each other and stuff uh yeah so yeah and the the punk rock things like no the punk rock thing's interesting because like if you have musicians that come out of punk rock a lot of times you're gonna have people who are like oh i'm gonna kind of look at what came before punk rock and you're gonna get into like you know they're gonna get into the nuggets things or even bars back as like old blues and like girl group stuff and how that all informed punk and then some of those bands embrace that sound but then you definitely have also from the punkers like i'm gonna look at the more progressive end of it and kind of you know how punk kind of realigned into bands like roxy music and all those kinds of like you think uh, bradford cox you think bradford cox ever listened to uh marky smith is that do you think you ever listened to the fall at all? <laughs> uh no comment. Just maybe. Yeah. Just maybe. But totally, it's it's really interesting to me how like from a from a single scene, how yeah, people can go which way on the timeline for like where punk and indie came from, which which you know pieces of that you start to embrace. And yeah. um yeah, and definitely like, but I don't think I was well informed to know what ambient music came from or even you know the eno which is pretty 
you know, that's starter pack ambient shit. Um, this this album yeah, has some really like know. teenage Eno on it. <laughs> right, right. But I was like, that wasn't part it's of my like, musical eh, reference. No, eh, no. <laughs> Frodo Eno. Yeah. Frodo Eno. But um, it, I, I am fond of the era that in which this band came from and the what I was listening to at the time. It was definitely like my brain was expanding, you know, and I was listening to a lot of more challenging um, music and bands like that. And it's um, having listened to, you know, recently and I won't, you know, jump the gun on that. It's, it's a shame. I wish I would have, um, you know, explored them a little bit more and uh, I'm glad they existed and I'm glad, you know, they kind of did their own thing. Um, So yeah, that's where I was through with it. And um, before we jump into our current reactions of this, we actually, we do have a voicemail um which is our second voicemail and this one comes all the way from a uh, foggy london town so this is actually an international call um all <laughs> rates apply um so it's from a friend of the pod uh, my homie charlie uh he plays good in... charlie wait is this charlie bit my finger fame from yeah london? from london yep that little he's he's all grown up and he's, he's all, all grown up now. he's like oh, i love me dear hunter <laughs> yeah yeah remember how uh they found like videos of osama bin laden's cave and yeah, he charlie had videos of there. the charlie bit my finger on there yeah turns out like Anyways. four million of those views was just osama bin laden <laughs> Yeah, man had, had taste you know what can you say <laughs> yeah hey, say what you will say what you will but yeah he's uh it's my, from my buddy charlie he finger He's uh, he plays in a few bands and uh, local boys here. Wait, what's Ricky his band's Pitts. name? You can't let him go on here without doxing his ass. Shout his out his bands. Yeah, I, I was literally in the middle of doing that. <laughs> you should have led with that. Anyway, so he plays in some noisy boys, uh, Witchy Pits from the Bay. Also, his solo is Hilux, uh, which is dope. Electronic bass music. If you're a fan of things like Liars and uh, whatnot, definitely check that out. And he also... Uh, host the uh podcast sharpie shirts presents mostly ads podcast so um here's what charlie had to say about cryptograms first of all i'd just like to say i absolutely love this record it had a huge impact on me and just like totally opened up musical vistas for me like it it introduced me to like weird rock music that wasn't heavy or aggressive that that like you could be weird by being like trippy and arty and 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 fun they they were experimental with like tape loops and ambient passages and you know uh like noise like white noise and they had these like spooky vocal treatments that i hadn't heard before it's because of this album that i found shoegaze and it's because of this album that i found krautrock because Every review about this record mentioned both of those, and I had no idea what they were at the time, and like dove in head first. Um, and it was really, this was this was the first band and probably the only band that I was like a really big active fan of. And, and part of that was because they made it so easy because they had a blog and Bradford Cox would always be uploading stuff to the blog. He'd upload, you know, He'd be writing weird personal shit. He would be posting demos and and covers that he recorded in his bedroom and like rough versions of other, you know, B-sides and stuff. 
so it was like fun to engage with them and like i would read every interview with them because they would like drop a few you know names of bands that i didn't know and i'd be like okay now i have to learn who birthday party is and then i'm like tam birthday party slaps so like i i don't think it would be inaccurate for me to say that uh bradford cox taught me that it was okay to be weird and this album came out the year i graduated high school so like it really set me out into the world with a level of confidence I honestly don't think I would have had without without this album. And listening to it, I just listened to it, and I feel like the way that it's sequenced even reflects that, that it goes from being kind of spooky and awkward and and creepy, like genuinely creepy. Lake Somerset is a creepy song, and it had a really creepy v- video to go with it. Um then it takes you through like these spacey jammers and these uh, really gorgeous instrumentals and some like kraut rock freakouts on your way up and stuff and then and then towards the end of the album it just totally like breaks on through it's like you're it's like you're coming up on psychedelics and then you know you you have that moment where just the switch flips and you're just having a great time and it's still trippy and weird but it's like it's it's a blast and there's some like genuinely super fun songs on the on the second half of this and and so like the the sequencing of the album like you can view it sort of as like coming up on a drug and then you know having this great time or or you know with this sort of nostalgic lens that I can't not look at this album through it's also just like it's the awkwardness of adolescence and you're breaking through and like I'm 18 years old and I'm like asserting this independence and, you know, developing into the the kind of weirdo that I want to be. And I think with this podcast, you're inherently like you're talking about records that came out 15 years ago. Like there's inherently going to be nostalgia associated with them. Right. And that like like Pitchfork built a lot of buzz around this record. And so like revisiting it you know you're you guys are you guys are evaluating does it live up to the buzz but like my relationship with it is it was so formative to me that i can't possibly evaluate it in any objective terms i saw them about a year later when they were touring the next album and they just absolutely blew the doors off of this tiny art gallery in phoenix and I've seen him a couple subsequent times and it's never it's never been the same and that's kind of how I feel about their subsequent albums. They're they're good, they're super solid, but I but I'm still chasing the high of how cryptograms made me feel when I was 18. And listening to it again today, it still hits all those sweet spots. It still just delivers on everything I love about music. So, uh Fuck Pitchfork's 8.9. Uh, I, I give this 10 out of 10 forever. Two thumbs up, 10 thumbs up. Cryptograms on my Desert Island discs forever. And I yield the remainder of my time. Thank you. That's a lonely island, my friend. Uh, well, <laughs> no, he sounded like it. a nice, he sounded like a nice kid. His nostalgia yeah. thing about the hype, hype versus nostalgia. That's very fair. There's so many albums like that for me where it's like this album is like inconsequential, but it has a personal meaning to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it sense like- that he's younger than me and us. 
Yeah. And, you know, Charlie's definitely that guy we were talking about. Is like, he's the deer hunter guy. I thought you said he was fucking British, dude. He sounded like he was from. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever. That was, uh, that, was stolen, that was stolen valor. Well, he said where he was from. If you were Sound like he was from Orange County. <laughs> well, if you were paying attention, you said exactly. I'm not talking about the County of Orange in London. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Thank you for leaving a voicemail. We really appreciate uh, listener feedback about uh, both what we're doing here and the albums that we're reviewing. So it really helps to get, you know, fresh perspective and, you know, different perspective. And um, yeah, yeah, frankly, I thought that was like really insightful call. And uh, we welcome more of those. Types I of thought he made some good future. points and it was reminding me. Yes. Bradford Cox was a guy that knew how to like engage with the fans using that MySpace thing. Yeah. In a way. He- he also was very good in interviews and like working the media a little bit, you know, he always had some kind of angle and was interesting. And that it, it, in indie rock, he there was a mean to be... cigarette too back. in 2007. <laughs> It seems like in indie rock, there's always those, these kinds of dudes who are like weirdos and, but they like, they know it, you know, it's kind of winking. And yeah. I think he, he definitely going... was that kind of thing. Cause you know how the, the throne for the American Radiohead was always open because that's like <laughs> such a meaning meaningless term. But do you think he was going for the like like I am the Southern Tom York? <laughs> Noah, what I need you to do is write down. I, we have a, a game idea. I'm gonna give it to you. It's it's the American Radiohead bracket. Uh, and we'll do a whole yes. like we'll do a bracket March Madness. We'll do a baby. bracket March Madness style nice. of top fans facing buy. off. It's a fifty dollar. <laughs> it's a fifty dollar buy. No broke boys allowed. Okay? I was uh, never a huge Radiohead fan, so I don't even know what bands were they supposed to. We're vying for that place. So, but well, um, I don't know. It was always like it feels Wilco. like there's a lot. Yeah. yeah, it never made sense though. No, it never, fit. It never really did. It's just like Kooks is going to be kind of like idiosyncratic, but also yeah. like huge. So yeah, okay. Yeah, what, um, what, which which band can play guitar and read a book? You know, basically, right, right, or right. or like a a band like Caleb you said earlier, like plays the studio. I think that's all they meant by it. Yeah, like true. Weird. Well, and then, then mm-hmm. yeah, I guess ambient shoegaze elements pulling in a kind of different like influences and yeah different like approaches and stuff because you know like radiohead they were doing like beats and like trip hop and you know that's funny though caleb your friend music your jazz for sure your friend charlie kept saying he's like it introduced me to this stuff it's weird to think about this band (laughs) as like a jumping (laughs) off point because it is i mean yes if if like whatever you can't pick the bands that you usually like your older brother picks the band that's you use as a jumping off point. I don't know. Or in my case, your guys is older brother, older brother. Yeah. I don't know if that guy had one. So it is funny to think of like a 2000 span as like someone you would use as like a launch pad to discover other lanes of music and older music. But I kept thinking, cause you, yeah, he but mentioned- yeah, maybe that's why we're so cynical towards the pitchforks of the world because we had a network of either older siblings or like friends who were yeah. equally as into music. We had that Santa Maria yeah. Library, dude. I think if yeah. Santa Maria Library saved to, us to work from a with. lot so, of like um, internet hype. I think uh, that experience of actually, yeah, the internet hype that's probably more common than like what you know we grew up around, especially given. I mean, the I same definitely bought into it though. Still, you got to yeah. keep up with the the Bradfords. <laughs> 
Um, but no, yeah. but Caleb, he got, he was saying how it was a jumping off point for him for shoe gaze. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking about like, I think, you know, I guess like the, uh, my bloody Valentine, right. They're like the shoe gaze du jour. They're the top dogs of the shoe gaze. Although I yeah. think that gives them disservice. Cause I think they're more like a noise band than a shoe gaze band. But I kept yeah. thinking when I heard Interesting this, uh, when I heard this album, I think of them as an Irish rock band. Yeah, I think I'm like <laughs> in the vein of U two, U two. Yeah, in the vein of the Chieftains. But every time, every time, Deer Hunter went into their shoegazy stuff, shoegazy, shoegazy, But every time they went into it, I believe that's. I seriously believe that's what Pitchfork called that band. Uh, what's it, Pretty Girls Make Graves in like 2005? I read that. Oh, I think they called, sh- called them shoegazy. That's sexist, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I, okay. I kept, <laughs> I kept thinking that um, of uh, when the shoegaze parts of this album happened. I was like somewhere in Ireland. Kevin Shields is like yawning from the nap and like perks his head up like an Irish setter puppy and just like, eh, that's interesting, kids. And then he goes back to sleep. <laughs> He goes back to staring at his shoes. He's like, my shoe is <laughs> yeah. untied. What kind of shoes is he wear? Converse, yeah. Or do they have tennis shoes in Ireland? He seems to be more of a hard shoes. He seems to be more of a boots guy. It's called brogans, right? Yeah, boots. It's like, boots put on your hard shoes, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I never really got them as the shoegaze part of it. I guess it's more of like what Factory Records like 4AD was, which is a little bit more like poppy and kind of... Um, I don't know, different kind of energy of shoegaze rather than like the full on like oral assault and like the heaviness that shoegaze later became with, um, you know, my bloody Valentine and uh, that's like slow dive and whatnot. Uh, I think it was a little, like the less immersive kind of Scottish and English stuff of their um, shoegazier parts, like their instrumental parts. I was thinking, I want to say that they're kind of washed out and woozy and wimpy, resulting in a resolutely revolting, woolly weirdo wielding a whirly and wobbly wall of sound. I heard that Dr. Seuss got canceled, Noah. You can't be talking about him. I kind of find that they're washed out, woozy, woozy and wimpy, resulting in a resolutely revolting, woolly rocker made by would-be wonderkin weirdos wielding a whirly and wobbly wall of sound. That's just what I thought right now. So we're going straight into current reactions. So that's Noah. That's what you got for us. <laughs> what uh? I, what else did you think of the album it. upon the re-listen? Yeah, I didn't hate it. I just, this band is just not a band I'm ever going to get into. And I listened to their later stuff as they've gone. I think as they've gotten progressed as a band, they are... They lean into more just like straight, like kind of like a poppier version or just more song structure version. But to me, there's all these flashes of the band that they could have been. Like, I think if they were mm-hmm. just a straight up the fall, you know, Marky Smith ripoff band, I think there's like three of those songs on this album where it's like, why didn't you just lean into that? Be more like the liars, be more like a post-punk band. I think like the artsy fartsy studio shit got in their way. Um, that's yeah. Nice, nice. Um, is that is that it? Does that how you feel about their current reaction? 
Yeah, that's my current reaction. I didn't hate it. I just, I feel like the album gets derailed. Like every song that's good, the next song is like a experiment, a studio experiment. And then just kind of, there's no flow to this album. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What what about you, Adrian? What do you think of having to recently revisited it? Uh, well, I don't completely disagree with what you're saying, Noah, but I think it does have kind of its own unique flow. It's not, it does kind of go back and forth between these elements, it, uh, at least the first half does, between kind of the ambient and then bringing in some of the more, I don't know, like the motoric kind of beats and, and you know, heavy bass or whatever, and then jangly guitars on occasion. But yeah, c- coming back to this, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm, I've always loved ambient music, but I'm way more into it now, like getting deeper into it. So this this really did hit an, at the right time. Are you what we call a what we call an Ambro? <laughs> yeah, I'm an Ambro. I'm a friend of Eno. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Adrian, this doesn't have the warmth of like a good ambient record. This is. Uh, this is I like think a I think they touch on that starter pack for ambient music. <laughs> Well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, but I think they definitely touch on that. There's a couple of songs where they're they're getting closer to that. Um, the Ink songs for sure, and some of the other ones. Um, but you know, I, I'm a like Caleb. You mentioned Tim Hecker. I'm a huge fan of that of him. And he, there's some some stuff that sounds like that on here that I was like, oh yeah, that that that's definitely got to be the influence on them. And then um then i'm also like recently i've been getting back into playing guitar and pedals so now i'm like oh shit this is awesome like i want to fucking make this in my you know in my guitar room or whatever do you uh, have the so, wawa pedal that's shaped like a flip-flop not yet that's um that's cool. on my uh that's on my reverb oh, i just uh, missed your birthday damn it guitar my guy. Guitar guy. <laughs> Next <laughs> um so yeah it's kind of inspirational in that way but I, I find myself when I'm listening to the record and I listened to it like five or six times for this uh, over the past week and a half or so. And I, every time I listen to it, I just find myself like, God, let's get to the, let's get to the pop songs like sooner. I want to hear those like the back half sooner. Uh, yeah. Cause those like four or five songs that it's just, it's so compact and perfect. And in, in like, as, as a kind of an EP, yeah. uh, like if they released this, into like two EPs. I think that could have been really killer. Um, although I, I also do like that it it's split in half and like a lot of reviews or I mean, one review I read said something like the moment that it switches over from the ambient half to the more pop half was kind of like... Uh, what is the ambient versus the pop half? The first half? Well, like the, the first half, half up to like Red Ink is more the ambient side and then everything from... Um, uh, what's that track called? The uh, Spring Hall Convert, all Spring the way Hall through the end, concert. and then Convert, yeah. Uh, pretty much that's the, the pop half. Okay, but they, I like the more structured song in the first half than I did any of the songs in the second half. That's oh, weird. interesting. Um, war, but yeah, this so the, album's at war with itself. <laughs> the so the, this writer was said basically it's like uh, the moment that the Technicolor hits and the Wizard of Oz were like, you've been in kind of this one kind of single color world. And then suddenly you're in a, like it, other things come in. And I think yeah. that's pretty close to what that fe- the feeling of that is because it does kind of open up and emerge in a way. 
but yeah, those that back half and then going into the fluorescent gray EP, which all those songs are basically the polished up versions of that back half or, you know, the, the kind of the next evolution of that, that like that, those ones really what made me fall, fall in love with deer hunter as a band. And then their next record, which is basically entirely just pop the, the pop ambient mix. Like, like you're saying, they kind of nailed it where they there's kind of 50 50 or like 60 40 pop versus ambient um but, but yeah I, you know i i enjoyed coming back to it i enjoyed listening to it again and i would put it on again you know it's it's a good record but it would not be the first one that i come to for them you know honestly micro castle would probably be the first one and some of their later ones but yeah the uh, micro caster weird era I think those were yeah. like, those were huge event releases too. If I yeah. recall, like I have a story yeah. about those ones, and the history of the, yeah, well, we have a section for that, but um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. This was a, yeah, a nice little buildup. Yeah. So Caleb, what, what about you? What, what were your feelings about this? Yeah. Um, like I said, this was never really my band. Um, and I don't ever think I'd ever heard this album in full. I think I had like downloaded a copy of it and then just like maybe it wasn't, attuned to like ambient music to start an album i was like oh this isn't what i thought it was you know um so i think i gave it my first full listen um about a week ago and i've listened to it a few times since then and i really like it like it really kind of hits a lot of um nerves for me in a good way um like you know charlie and somebody else was saying like the kraut rock piece of it really resonated with me and about once a year, I go on a serious Krautrock like binge and um, bender, you know, like, and uh, sometimes it's more kind of the rocking stuff, you know, the stuff that's more influenced by, you know, American soul and jazz and stuff like your noise and cans and things, you know, um, and sometimes it's more of the, uh, the electric, the electric synth based stuff like cluster and whatnot um or the more orchestral stuff like faust so it's like really like crowd rock is one of my favorite types of music and i find it really mysterious but also very um um comforting because you know it's essentially rock music and they're definitely influenced by yeah Yeah. it hits the groove but it has the heaviness and the spaciness of like psychedelic rock and shit real quick real quick top three starter pack crowd rock for the listeners yeah um starter pack <laughs> kraut rock definitely be a Dual yeti um this band guru guru they have an album called ufo which is phenomenal oh, yeah. That, yeah, you showed me that album, and, Caleb. that's a great album. Um, which yeah. that's more on the kind of cosmic like cosmic space rock kind of side of it it's almost um, like Prague-ish, right yeah oh definitely it's- yeah they were definitely skirting that and also a band i got into recently is german oak they never had a proper album, but they have this compilation called Down in the Bunker, and that shit's good. It's like a nice. lot more experimental um, and less song-oriented. It's a lot of just different little pieces and little movements and things, um, but that nice. album's great. Yeah, and any right. of the Tangerine Dreams first few albums, if you want stuff that's more about electronic-based. Uh, love Noi. And I find like Noi as like just like really popular, you know, like a kind of above like all these other kind of bands who were more niche yeah, sounding and stuff true. and like Noi kind of broke along with can so definitely yeah. like essential as fuck um i'm a yeah, big fan of cluster moments. personally yeah cluster's fantastic yeah if you shout want the out a uh, friend of the pod t savy me and him used to get high and roll in his blazer listening to Noi. that 
if it's a rainy day or any day, a nice day, but a rainy day, especially smoking weed and cruising around, listening to noise. Oh my God. You will not be disappointed. That album <laughs> wonderful. Is such it's a wonderful driving, driving, music. driving yeah. Music. Yeah. road trip. Any, any crowd rock I would say is road trip music. It's just, I mean, the, it's like the, the, name, the, the type of beat is the motoric beat. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like, yeah, that's what it's made for. You're like out on the Autobahn just cruising. But anyway, so back to this, like when I was listening to um, this album, I really heard all of that. And like it has some of the abrasive, like English post-punk things to it. Definitely like that first song has like a fall and wire um, kind of almost gang of four vibe to it. Um, it's a little more menacing, but like just like the repetition and all the layering and the um, looping that they do with the guitars and things. I, I don't know. It really hit me in that, hit me in that, you know, in the gut that, and I really liked it for the, for those reasons. And in terms of influences, I don't know if you guys heard this, but it reminds me of the more jammed out, like Yola Tango stuff. Like, um, that's like what I love about Yola Tango. They're one of my favorite indie rock bands. My wife, Jen's a huge, huge fan of theirs. So we listen to a lot and I like when they just kind of go for it and jam the fuck out because they're all wonderful musicians. So I definitely, watch them live. That's pretty much what they do. That's what they like, do. Yeah. Two hours. And I definitely heard a lot of that. Um, I don't know if they're an influence or whatever, but like, yeah, to be sure. a little bit more like tender and in the pocket and just expansive. I definitely heard a lot of that. And um, yeah, and I, the jamminess of it and the kind of randomness of it, I found charming. You know, I found that like it was nostalgic in that way, because when you're of a certain age and you're figuring out what you, what your artistic approach wants to be or your approach to life, you're kind of cobbling together a bunch of different things, you know, a bunch of different sound you want to inspire to a bunch of different literary references and it's okay if that doesn't like fit into the singular statement right away it's okay to be like rough around the edges and trying things out and um i wasn't bothered by the the, the you know the kind of going back and forth between the ambient stuff and the more rock-based crowdy stuff um so yeah I, I found that actually charming and like a lot of fun and it kind of reminded me of back in that era of like checking out all these kind of newer psychedelic bands that were coming out at the time. And we're just like, you know, trying different stuff out and kind of going beyond the um, just like really clever wordplay and songwriting that indie would kind of, kind of, you know, worn itself out with. So um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, definitely really, a, sorry, go ahead. Finish up. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And I was going to say lastly, in terms of um, a couple more influences, because it just kind of hit me that they they did a really good job. It reminded me a lot of Spaceman Three. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Um, because you know, Spaceman Three were at their heart a garage rock band. You know, they were definitely psychedelic and spaced out, but they did it in a different way. They were like very simple. They just like laid down three chords and just put like like just ear bleeding volumes and just tons of layers on top of that with leads, but kept it very tight and very simple. And I thought they were doing that too. Um, definitely like you can hear the liars, especially that weird, they were wrong. So we drowned era liars that in this album. And um, in terms of their approach to rhythm, I thought you heard a lot of stereo lab too, which is a band that I'm not huge on or haven't listened to a lot of, but I know they're important and um, really well regarded. And so like hearing those kind of swankier beats and like bass work um, that yeah. kind of, I wish they were more up, along with Yola Tango, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, I wish they were more locked in with their 
rhythm section on this album a little bit. Yeah, but they don't punch above their weight. I like I feel like they do lock into what they're capable of and like their bass work and their rhythms are pretty stripped down and simple, but they know to like how to stay in rhythm and they know how to keep it pretty locked in and simple, you know, without like trying yeah. to expand and do do too much and um to kind of let weird vocal treatments yeah. or like kind of studio trickery kind of compensate for where they might I just can over be and as, over. you know, progressive. Over and over in my notes, I just kept saying, like, where's the bass? Like, where's the drum rhythms? Like, do more of that. Like, the, do more of the can influence. Do more. Mm -hmm. Like, just have a little more of a pulse. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely like I was saying that the kraut influence, it isn't the, you know, like the the cans who were just sounded trying to sound like the meters or the jbs or whatever you know and kind of did it in their own way it was more like the stuff that was kind of owed more to space rock and you know kind of more stripped down psychedelic music um yeah and yeah, like that last half of the album is cool it's like it brings this like really kind of woozy you know um dream pop vibe and that's like i don't know really cool really comforting too um kind of get out of the the murk which is that first half and it's you know i think it's like a it's a good release i think it's like a it's a pretty rewarding uh second half and um you know i, I went back and forth on the realists and some of the realists i was more stoked for the you know the more introspective darker first half and then other times i was like no i want something that's a little more like you know sunshiny and jangly and more positive if anything so yeah i was like really surprised and really stoked um that i've you know better late than never basically with this and uh now i guess i'm the the deer hunter guy in the group <laughs> i'm full circle How does it feel? <laughs> you know it feels uh, pretty good i don't i have not heard any of their other albums um i don't know <laughs> if i will but this one i'm bumping them all the way well yeah Adrian, I, did you what I, do you have to say i was gonna add that um in the wake of this band i feel like there was a bunch of noisy bands that sort of came out after them mm -hmm. that were doing similar things to that first half like a place to bury strangers and a bunch of other bands that were sort of in the my bloody valentine Pain, the bean pure at heart and like those yeah things. stuff like that yeah. that was kind of the same vibe church of seven um, bells yeah whereas deer hunter kind of took it into more of an art pop noise pop direction which i mm -hmm. i really i i do really appreciate uh but yeah that's i just wanted to add that 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 in the in the wake of this i think indie definitely got a little bit noisier a little bit more um yeah uh, i think charlie mentioned birthday party i think they i think birthday party and and some of that post-punk noisy stuff became more yeah. of an influence than the kind of more dancey you know stuff they that do was they do 2000s. lean in they do lean into that washed out noisy vocal thing where you're like singing on like it sounds like you're singing on like a payphone kind of vocal yeah yeah which was kind of i think that's like stroke style liar style that they took that yeah. new york style where i think a lot of bands are like don't listen to our lyrics like we're just a vibe we're like cool kids just talking shit like it's not yeah. that important and i think that was like true to the spirit of a lot of those english bands like you know your jesus and the mary yeah. chain and stuff. that shit was yeah completely totally. washed out and kind of secondary or even like cocktail twins where they're just kind of singing in a different language basically so yeah yeah well um 
we've said all we can say about how we feel about it now, but uh, we'll come back after the break and get into our slaps and our wax. Slappers and whackers. All right, we are back. I'm ready to bop. I'm just going to fucking jump right into it, get wet here. Um, yeah, in terms of bops, I mean... I mean, there's not a lot of things that bang, like in terms of like, you know, you're going to get up and get crazy or just like, oh, that's my fucking jam. That'd be a weird way to respond to it. But um, <laughs> there are people. Those are your deer hunter friends. The dude, Charlie, he's like, <laughs> fucking Lake Somerset. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Let's party. Um, But the one time that was like, you know, giving giving me all the feels a little bit was uh, Octet. Uh, yeah. It comes, it kind of is a bridge between the first half and the second half. And it's a pretty long song, but um, yeah, it has like kind of promethazine ATL by way of kraut rock vibes to it. Um, yeah, it's long and it just has this cool, like throbbing baseline that just rides out the whole time. And then they just add all this other cool fucking, I don't even know if it's a studio. It doesn't even like sound like a studio. It sounds like they're using like, you know, garage is there a synth on it? Is there a synth on this? Because it kind yeah, of there's, gave me, there's, it kind what, of gave me like mean? the Who uh, won't get fooled again synth. Oh, a little interesting. Bit. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah, I, mean, kinda, um, I can kind of see that a little bit. Yeah, but back to what you're saying about Noi and all like crowd rock just being fantastic driving music. I was just imagining myself like driving through the woods of Atlanta and just having a good time and. Yeah, having a cool psychedelic experience. So, um, yeah, I thought this song really brings it and bangs. So let's uh, let's hear a little little piece of it. Um, I have in my notes. You can you can just drag that mouse to wherever the fuck you want and just let it go. I think like the two minute mark. There's like some jazzy drums. This is the one that's like seven eight minutes long, right? Yeah, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, two minute mark's cool. All right, here we go. A little bit of octet. Won't get oh, yeah, there, again. yeah, there's a. It's like we're checking out the crime scene. Yeah, David Shapiro. <laughs> kind of got some panda bear vibes on here. Animal Collective. Panda Bear, future Bradford Cox collaborator. Oh yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, I think it has like a walkabout. Some, yeah, great like tune. Great tune. Epic, epic, epic quality to <laughs> that Nicholas Rogue, Nick Rogue, baby, Nick Nicky Rogue. Rogues, baby. Uh, speaking of great studio musicians, I highly recommend you listen to the Jim O'Rourke, uh, Nicholas Rogue trilogy that he made. Hell he yeah, made three. He made a uh, what's it called? Bad timing, my interest, insignificance, Eureka, and insignificance, or something. I'm a big, They're all I'm named a big fan after. Of they're yeah, all named they're, after Nicholas Rogue movies, and they're really bit, great. I love Insignificance. Albums. Great, great album cover on, covers on those too. Insignificance mm-hmm. the, is the movie where it's like Marilyn Monroe meets like oh yeah, conversation with like and it's Vladimir like Charlie Chaplin, Lennon, uh, it? Lennon or something. Yeah, yeah. USSR. It's like One Night in Miami, but back in the day. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, bad timing. Also, that movie bangs. That's with the uh, Art Garfunkel in it. I've never it's seen Artie Garfunkel. It's a, yeah. it's a very, it's yeah. a very <laughs> tight sexual drama. It's oh, like Carnal in that Nolan, vein, yeah. but like kind of turned up. Yeah, the it's dude like is only Nolan, in folks. like three movies, and they're all like sex movies from the horny as yeah. fuck. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, bad timing is like horny on the verge of like, should I be into this kind of? <laughs> I don't know. I need to out his dick was as big as Paul Simon. <laughs> <laughs> like this little fucking Oh, big, shit. not Paul Simon's. He's like, Paul my Simon. dick is bigger than Paul. <laughs> like, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, the best song. It only took me one try. What's your excuse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big so, yeah. Over uh, here. Octet, that has big dick art vibes. Uh, the very epic song. Uh, yeah. Does does everything for me that I'm looking for um, in that album, and the um, I'll just go to my honorable mention too because I didn't really find anything whack on some, so we can just skip me when it comes to that next section. But um, you love this shit. <laughs> another song I really like, um, and I think it comes later, and it's just like a cool hook and chorus verse chorus song is uh, "Strange Lights." Um, yeah. it has a really sick hazy pop, you know, element to it, and um. Okay, yeah, that's one like of those way... uh one of those like B-side Beatles songs like <laughs> tremor control style. It's B-side catchy. Beatles. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty terse song though and it kind of just, you know, rides out some good songwriting. Um it has like a nice like yearning nostalgic nostalgic vibe so yeah. we can give a little little taste of that and then um I'm done here. Yeah, before we uh, get into that, I, I do have a little bit, a little factoid about the song. So it was written by oh, fun. The, the guitarist uh, uh, Locket Punt, I believe is his name. Um, yeah. That's, not, that's he, not a name. He had his uh, own band, right? Yeah, I think Lotus Plaza was the band. Um, oh, yeah, but, yeah. I remember them. Yeah, they, they, they put out some good records. Um, but yeah, that anyways, is a real name. I believe it's like an ethnic name, so... Oh, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, he wrote it uh, based on I think on a dream where him, Bradford Cox, and someone else were walking into the sun, and they knew they were gonna die, but they did it anyways. So, a little bit of a little bit of a backstory on the strange lights uh, part of the strange that would lights. Would be a strange light, huh? Imagine the three of us walking into the <laughs> walking sun. into the sun. It's kind what of romantic. Strange light. All right, so here's a little bit of strange lights. Yeah, and that has a y- YLT vibe to it um, that I was Catchy you know, going, little going on about briefly. Yeah, so. Diddy. I, yeah. yeah, just hearing that song now, it makes me kind of think um, the indie lock, the indie rock landscape turned battleground finds this song <laughs> rattling around the trenches of trenchant B side battle beetle bangers bent on bopping to the beat while barely leaving room to breathe as if bombing campaign captured in a catchy pop song that cashes in at a cleverly clandestine clip. (laughs) 
Wow. What was that? Uh, what was that? Benzedrine? Is that what all the um, the beats were on? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you, you writing that like on Benzedrine? butcher's paper or whatever? Yeah. yeah just... Was well, it like Kerouac? You never you never tore a page off or whatever. You just wrote on. That's scrolls. so funny. <laughs> You're like taught about the beat poets. And by the time like, they come out, you can't get any of those fucking drugs. It's a goddamn. No, then letdown. when you just do like cocaine for the first time, you're like, wait, that's Allegedly. all those guys were doing? That's their whole deal? <laughs> like that shit ain't that crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it takes some of the magic out when you realize, like, oh, they're just fucked up. All right. Yeah, I can it's like just, I didn't write shit. I just hop, talked about point broke. Yeah. I just talked about point break for fucking two hours. I didn't write shit. Well, it's yeah, a different kind creative of art. at all. And yeah. then you realize they're all misogynist. So I was like, I literally entrapped my wife at like a typewriter. And was like, baby, type this. And I was like, the indie rock landscape turned battleground finds the song rattling around the trenches of trenchy and B-side beetle bangers bent on bopping to the beat while barely le- leaving room to breathe as if bombing a campaign captured in a catchy pop song that crashes in a cleverly clandestine clip. Print it. It's like, it's like William, please just go to sleep. Please go to sleep. <laughs> Is this, uh, was this a wifey's corner here? No, I haven't. I did have a wifey's corner just in general. Again, wifey's corner, Kiki's general complaint is just like these indie bands are just doing too much. There's just too much <laughs> sound, too much trying too hard, yeah. doing too much. And I keep coming back to that thing. It's the whole, what you said earlier, the studio as a, Music as a like a, as a instrument. fifth member, yeah, and it's it's easy to do that on a laptop, but it sounds like soulless a lot of times. That's my. I think these guys were going analog. Yeah, yeah I think they but, these guys probably were putting, but they're it, they're I mean, chopping put up that the track into like a thousand parts and like tweaking it. It sounds all tweaker. I think they're still fucking around with tapes and shit. It's still pretty. You know, it's it's kind of old school in that way. I th- I think I, I'm not sure, but to me, it sounds pretty analog. So you yeah, know. and I I totally get that critique of it. I just I feel like they're randomness and they're trying a bunch of. I think it's earned and kind of comes off as naive but organic. You know, so that's yeah. how I feel about it. I agree. What uh, about you, uh, Adrian? What's bopping and bopping around? A little brain of yours, big brain of yours. Slaps. So. I had actually had strange lights on my highlights list as well. Um, Ooh, stepped it on it. Sorry about that. All good. Um, so there's a few that I, I could talk about uh, in terms of the ambient songs. The two that I really thought stood out were uh, red ink, which I thought was pretty, yeah, I don't know it, it for, for the, the ambient tracks, it's kind of short, but it, it really hits its point and, and gets it. And it hits a groove that I really like. Um, and then cryptograms, which again, uh, it's funny that you're talking about you, you like the bass drums heaviness, Noah, because I think this song especially is is the one that has like that yeah. the most uh, the most kind of motoric style sort of classic yeah. beat. For, yeah, for me, cryptograms and Lake Somerset are like the most like post-punk bangers. And then the rest of the album's kind of downhill from there. Besides octet, which also has a good bass line. Yeah, so let's hear a little bit of cryptograms, um, and you'll hear that bass line. It's pretty prevalent throughout the entire yeah. song. This um, is a low key slapper for me. So here's cryptograms. Mm-hmm. 
Rescue vocal alert. far out shit dude yeah i mean i dig it you know and they get they get a little you know woolly on that on that song too and it gets a little um a little more spacey and it's just it's nice i don't know i i really dig the the vibe of that that track i think especially coming after the more kind of ambient-ish intro song and then going into that Uh, i think that's a nice one-two punch um, i am shocked that they had the restraint to just call that first song intro give it some title no a lot of their song titles are not pretentious at all they're just like yeah. very much what you would write down on like a first pass of something it's like whatever just take, call this song take no oh, i wrote this in red scene. ink yeah seriously <laughs> yeah. well i mean but hazel that's, street that's, he says hazel street like yeah it's yeah, very that's straight what i'm forward. saying it's like they're pulling something out of lyrics or just something that's, that's that country influence being from atlanta being from the <laughs> south <laughs> It's like Ring of Fire. It just call it's Ring of Fire. That's it. That's it. Said and done. Um, but I had I had one other song uh that I thought was uh a banger, and that's the closing song, Heatherwood, which I think Ooh. actually is a nice it kind of points directly to the the EP and then uh Micro Castle, the next record. It's kind of the nice balance of the ambient and the pop. Um and it's interesting that they close it with this with this song because it is kind of upbeat and and mm-hmm. and propulsive. Um, yeah. So it, yeah. it does. It feels like they on... had a little bit more in them too. You're like, oh, they're gonna give another little. They got a yeah. This one, I, I thought they were saying Nazi again, but it's not C again. <laughs> uh, pretty knows? close. I don't know. Pretty close. Um, but here's a little bit of Heatherwood. Is that okay. what? Think, sorry, go ahead. Is that what American football sounds like? <laughs> one day, we'll, one day you'll figure out what American football sounds <laughs> like, Noah. Your ever, your your ongoing quest to figure out what yeah, the band too bad American you, football. You have no other means like. by which to hear that band. <laughs> Can't find that record, man. It's sold out. It's fucking off the shelves. I went to the local record store the other day. The guy was like, "Dude, we just had it in here." Literally, football, like we have a band called America like that Foo guy. Football. <laughs> they're like that guy just grabbed it i saw like the brown bag with the record they're reading like, follow that they're like, reading the album into they're Uber. reading the album color how it's stylized incorrectly they're not they don't realize that band's called american football that's a little inside joke if you know what the album cover looks like anyways adrian what are your thoughts on that song heather Wood, yeah Pecker so Wood. um that i i don't know i just i i, I like the propulsiveness of it i like the 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 kind of i we've used the word naive and I, I don't think it's quite the right word but it's kind of like it's kind of like what it's a bare bones pop song that that points i think to directly to what they're gonna end up doing and for me like that's what makes it so good is that like they've they've they're, they started to catch on and figure out like oh this is kind of what what we can make our thing and i think that song is one of the ones that points to that um down the line for sure. Yeah, that's fair. 
Very cool. Very cool. Uh, what about you, Noah? Uh, my... What's on your list? So we already mentioned I had Octet as a low-key slapper. Uh, I had Cryptograms as a low-key slapper. So I guess my slapper would be Lake Somerset, which I think was kind of their... They didn't really have a hit song, but it's kind of like... They had a video this, for it. It's their yeah. signature song, right? Yeah, yeah, you could call it a single. If yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if they did have official singles from this record maybe but um yeah lake somerset's definitely one of their calling card songs i would say that for sure yeah i feel like it would show up on the pitchfork like songs of the decade that would be the one that represented deer hoof yeah yeah these guys are weird yeah do you want to play some of that yeah let's take a trip to lake somerset where the fuck that is yeah where is that Here's a little like Somerset, England. That's true. See, finally some bass. Jesus Christ, Did it kill you. It sounds like can. There's also that distorted vocal that we we're talking about earlier. Yeah, and I do respect the the fact that he distorts his vocals on this album because I think in later albums by Deerhoof, I think they improved like musically for me, but his lyrics become more clear. <laughs> and it's like we don't need to hear your lyrics, dude. Like that's the thing about lyrics for me when you realize that like most bands lyrics like people live by like the philosophy of the Beatles and shit. It's like where they'll quote like Lennon and McCarthy. And it's like they were 22 year old kids. Like, why the fuck are you like, like, that's not a philosophy to live. They're by. not. Like, they weren't or, profound. Yeah. They were like just, Rolling Stones. Yeah, they're not clever. profound. Those are just like platitudes that are like meaningless. Like, let's stop giving value to a lot of rock and roll lyricists. Kill your idols, kids. Because there is great lyricists, I think, by young people in music, you know, like Sam Cooke, yeah. the change is going to come. Nas, they make hip hop. It's Yeah, but not in rock and rock roll. Dudes, we, don't, yeah. we don't need that the profundity of rock and roll lyricists. So, anyway, that's my two I saw this like oh. conspiracy theory documentary once, and the thing that really sold it that was complete bullshit to me, besides all the incorrect conspiracy theories, was at the very end, like the profundity drop was a fucking Jimi Hendrix quote. And I'm like, oh boy, great guitar player, cool personality. Didn't know fuck all about politics, and that just kind of. He like, was 27 it, when he died. Yeah, he exactly, was and it kind of indicates kid. to me what your worldview is, and that's like I see everything. No, but I think his the, lyrics are not trying to be like. He's not trying to kick. They, it wasn't even that's lyrics. The yeah, these, these that's true. Like a quote. These rock and roll 60s thing trying to kick knowledge. It's like shut up. Like most of like. Bob Dylan shit is like 60s gibberish bullshit. Like, yeah, it's, it's like Ben's you're saying drain. nothing. <laughs> well, I think so. It's interesting you're saying that because this uh, this record basically is all stream of consciousness. Like, it's he just basically and I'm glad he washed it, it all out. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's touching on shit that you know happened to Marfan syndrome and shit like that, death and uh, relationships and whatnot. But it, yeah, it definitely isn't 
I don't think he definitely he sat down and no. thought all of this stuff through. I think he just whatever came out came out, and you know, no, I think that I'll works for that. this record. There's, there's no like false profundity coming from this guy. He's just yeah, like, yeah, it's very. He sounds confident. like a twenty something. Just yeah. I also getting, I, I I do have sorry I do have an interesting little tidbit about Lake Somerset. Um, so it's actually the song was based on a trip that bradford cox took to the zoo when he was super hungover and he he watched a turtle like a little turtle eating a carrot and it inspired him to write the song that's really see that's the type of insight i'm looking for rock lyricists actually i forget the exact to get to to go to a zoo hungover that's (laughs) yeah right one of the last places i want to want to well you know it's funny adrian you said uh he's talking about a turtle in the water eating it because of this song, I'm thinking it kind of sounds like a silly slapper waiting in the waters of windswept, of windswept waters of John and Roger waters. Good guitars generating generic genre gusto, germinating and germane. Did you write That's... down a little ditty for each song? <laughs> no, I got out his. He got out his thesaurus and sat down for yeah. an hour and wrote these little I'm trying to get a job, guys. At <laughs> Tribe, hit me up. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> okay. Is there do you have any other mentions, Noah? Any other songs uh, you want to dive into uh, or do should we go into our wackies? Slapper. I think we named all the low-key slappers. We did Octa. Yeah. Or oh, Hazel Street. We did that one, right? Yeah. Uh, we mentioned it, but we didn't play it. We didn't play uh, it. I thought it kind of sounded like Built to Spill for a second. but I can see that. Uh, we could hear you like guys hear 20 like... seconds of that. Yeah, Yeah. let's uh, let's give that a little listen, and then we'll go into our uh, whackers. Yeah, I, I also had Hazel Street on my honorable mentions list. I think this is a great song. That's the only song on the second half of the album that I kind of fuck with. Little built to spill vibe. You can hear that. Is that Bradford Cox or is that the other dude singing that song? I think it's Bradford Cox, but it could be one of the other guys um, is singing back up as well. He's got a uh, he's got a considerable amount of range too, from what I've heard of their music too. He's kind of chameleon like his vocal approaches. He definitely he definitely has a few different tricks up his sleeve for sure. Um, but I think that song is really it, it is really great. I think it also again captures sort of that feeling of like that mix of pop and and noise. Like this is kind of like you're saying built to spill. I could totally see that, but it's also kind of my bloody Valentine esque. Like it's kind of got sort of a, a protective layer of noise around it, even though yeah, it's kind totally. of this sweet pop tune, which is, yeah. you know, I, I, it's catnip for me. I like, I love that shit. So I love this. Yeah. Song. It's a Xanax for you. Totally. <laughs> a human catnip. Yeah, it has kind of like that Creation Records uh, vibe to it as well, which is you know definitely part of that. For sure. Part of that sound. Um, cool. What do we think is whack? Adrian, whack off, brother. Whoa, okay. So 
I actually didn't don't have anything that's necessarily whack, but I think if you wanted to trim the record a bit, you could cut one of the songs from, you know, maybe two of the songs from that first half. Uh, but the song that I would drop, even though I really, I actually really like it, uh, is White Ink. I think it's it's a it's a good song, but of all of the er, those that first ambient half, I think that's the one that I wouldn't miss that I would miss the the least. So, to mm. me, like that's that's you know it's not necessarily whack, but that's the it's one I'm like, leave it off, and you don't really miss it. But it it, you know, <laughs> all right. Well, it, no, it sounds like you got you got some. Yeah, I just said it's this. washed out, woozy, and wimpy, resulting in a resolutely revolting woolly rocker made by would-be wonderkin weirdos wielding a whirling and wobbly wall of sound. All right. That was quite the ride. Well, You really are the rye guy. <laughs> the rye old man. Rye, rye old rye <laughs> old man. Well, on that note, let's hear a little bit of white ink. White out. You ever get high off white out? It kind of sounds like the broken social scene captured the flag intro. It's like more. Yeah, I think that's kind of why I put it here is that it, it isn't kind of a interstitial thing but it ends up being five minutes long so you know maybe if they cut it down to like a minute a minute and a half i think because they get they i mean they get to the point and then they just do it over and over so yeah i think that one could be left off and you wouldn't really you wouldn't really miss anything you know what that was it was like the musical version of studio notes it was from cranky they're like hey you want to stay on this fucking label you got to give us something more like that (laughs) yeah is that the case (laughs) it seems weird like that like give them give them a little bit of everything i don't know we need some glimmer i didn't hear any glimmer on there it's like our fans have certain expectations animal collective is popping on pitchfork right now can you throw in some like reverb vocal sounding stuff yeah it's like that that field album that came out last year was pretty big we need something more in that vein we need to stay relevant to to our to our subscription folks we're ready to sign you, but do you reverse your vocals at any point on it? Because <laughs> that's uh, huge right now. Yeah, with Animal Collective. Um, so that was that was all on. I had. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I um, only had one is, dud. That's my only dud. I like this record, man. Caleb, you got no duds. I, I, it, not that I don't think there's what the fuck is the world coming to <laughs> the host is soft. Dude, I got two true believers here. Hey dude, I said, I'm the, I'm the radical. Rile. No, actually I'm the radical centrist. I am not so the riled like, man. Uh... I am the riled man at this point. Oh, he's transformed. <laughs> oh. Yeah, dude. For the listeners, you can't see this. Noah just turned beet red. Ripped I don't know. There's off. a lot of shit on this album. He's this teased. album is just like copying other shit. It's not that unique or new. But right. Given, having said that, like, it, I just don't find anything that's like whack or I'm like, oh, that's completely like abrasive to my ears or that's just kind of laughable or embarrassing. It's like, yeah, they have a little bit of like extra fat they need to trim, but it's not like I got offensive. Some. Yeah, let's um, hear it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, what did you, you know, guys already even say? What would you whack off of this album? <laughs> Do we talk about Providence? Not yet. That no. song is up its own butt. has too many sounds. <laughs> um, it has whale sounds at the end. I don't know. I, t- I tuned out at that fucking song. I think that song stinks. Uh, okay, fair enough. That I do have a little backstory on that. That song was written when Bradford the Cox, TV show Providence. Yeah, the uh, the John Ham vehicle Providence, I believe. Right? Yeah. <laughs> who was in that? Uh, oh yeah, who was the the woman? Was the, she was in. Um, she was I can't believe we're not ready for this with the backup. I think she was in Law and Order. Adrian, this is your job. You're supposed to, at all points, have any potential reference we're going to come up. Just have like boom, Providence. This is just have Providence, Rhode joke. Island information. Yeah. Um, but actually, it was yeah. written in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, after uh, Bradford Cox got into an argument with the rest of the band. And he was like, fuck you guys, and went off and uh, was rocking around the city at dusk. And it kind of inspired him. Uh, that guy seems like he's always like, don't follow me. I'm out of here. And they're like, is he going to be okay? And he's like, please follow me and come find me. Like I walked like two houses down and like in somebody's front yard. He seems like a drama drama, dude. I, don't know. I mean, I think- it was Melina Canarianus was the, yeah. was that actress, oh, wow. the curly hair. She was on. Guided oh, right. Light. Right. CSI. right. CSI. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's hear a little bit of Providence. Sitar is not a toy. I think that's sitar again. They're doing so, fucking yeah. architecture in Helsinki toy sitar, dude. Sitar <laughs> is not a toy. Justice for uh, Ravi Shankar. The only sitar player there's ever been. <laughs> the only one they've ever heard of anyways. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, see, I see what you're getting song at. Piss me off. That song's fucking pretentious bullshit. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Uh, speaking of pretentious bullshit, Noah, can you run us through number one of your blurbs? <laughs> yeah, let's, we got go. Providence. Spring Hall <laughs> yeah. concert. Spring Hall concert. Vocally vexing, Bradford Cox and Co.'s inchoate crooning crashes and careens while casually coalescing into a catastrophically catchy yet cumbersome catch-all indie rock catnip of a song, slumping off in the corners of our curdled yet cool collective subconscious well well then physician cure thyself that's what i say to that <laughs> now, uh, vocally vexing <laughs> uh, all right okay so that song's up its own butt um anything else up its own butt or up its own butt around the corner is that a homophobic term up its own butt? I'm sorry if it is. No, everyone has butts. I think that's fine. Everyone has up butt, his yeah. own butt. There'll be a cold day in hell where I can't say up your butt and around the corner, three doors down, out your boner anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of our ranting. Here's our ratings. Hey, timestamp this a... whole album or this whole episode. <laughs> 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 Delete it. Let's put this one in the bin. 
No, Caleb, just have your friend. Uh, no, uh, no. Your friend's voice. That's what I was saying. He kind episode. of achieved everything we take two and a half hours to do. Like, oh, this is when I listen to it. This is what I think of it. This is what I think of it now. Okay. Um, let's go into our ratings. Yes. Noah, let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I sounded harsher on this album than it actually was, but give it a. Oh, wait. I see here in my notes. There's a song called Tape Hiss Orchid. And yes. I put more like Tape Piss Orchid. <laughs> Shout out, uh, Orchid. But I give it, it's a 7.5 because it's just an album I'll never listen to again. Or yeah, and that's kind of what Pitchfork would give an experimental album or an ambient album to be. I don't think honest. it's that experimental or ambient, though. I think you're like giving it too much credit with like. Or what they would give a middling indie rock album, I guess. Seven point five, just like it's a history of that number from that. It's a band, I think, that gets too much credit for like toggling back and forth between genres. What they don't do any genre that well, and the stuff they do well, like the Marky Smith fall vocal like bangers, like when they actually have, they actually sound like a like a band playing live they only do that like three or four times on this 12 song album and other than that i think they're just fucking around in the studio and it just sounds boring you know what i'm hearing you know you know what i'm hearing you want to say is is adrian's line sounds like you just want to get indie rock noah (laughs) exactly give me something I'm an indie rock purist. I'm like the KRS one of indie no rock. No momentum to this album. This album is sequenced horribly. Well, maybe that was the charm. Adrian, what's your number, buddy? Yeah, so 8.9. I don't know. I too high. I think it's slightly too high. I agree. So you no, know, no vote tampering here, Noah. Well, I you know, I I definitely thought that before. Uh, I mean, it's great. It's a great record, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna give it an eight seven. I think eight seven is a little bit more fair. It's not quite eight point nine, but it's not like I don't think it's below an eight point five for me. So eight point seven is kind of right, right in the sweet spot. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of follow the same line of logic. I think this is like best new music to me that I heard but kind of on the lower end of that scale. So I would probably give this like an 8.2 uh, strong for sure. Uh, didn't walt me over the head. Love how they play off their influences and just the old vibe of it. But beyond the vibe vibe, I don't know what I'm returning for, you know, a lot of time, but sometimes you just need a great vibe record, you know, or things you know, to kind of trip out on. So, yeah, I think for that, those purposes, 8.2 is where, where i stand so um remind me of your numbers again noah you were 7.5 7.5 never listen to it again eight seven (laughs) that's right and then 8.2 put that through the supercomputer and we each collectively gave this album an 8.1 so strong too high way too high This is a seven nine at the moment. This is why this is a democracy. <laughs> Are you guys Noah? telling me you're going to listen to this album ever again? Oh yeah, Might. definitely. Really? I definitely will listen to this again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All 
I mean, you know, I for me, I would definitely put on their other records first, but I will definitely come back to this at some point. But I just like this is my question with all these indie 2000, they don't do anything their own self, like they never transcend their influences. It's like you can piecemeal this whole album, like it's like instead of listening to cryptograms, just put on like a fall song instead of listening to white ink, just put on like an a-, a song off the first my bloody Valentine instead of listening to Lake Somerset, just put on like a pill song instead of listening to Providence, put on the Brian Eno song and octet, another Brian Eno song, red ink, another Brian. It's just like, I just, <laughs> it, it doesn't need to exist. It's just whatever. It's nothing to me. Where was this when we were doing clap your hands? Say, yeah, you were like feeling actively <laughs> yeah, sorry right? for them. You're like, guys, we need to lay off. And then you're like, this because, band doesn't need to you know exist. Why? Let's erase because they, them. Because I think they were more novelty. And yeah. Deer Hunter is like profundity. It's like it thinks it's important, but it does nothing all that trans transcending of any of their influences. So the message is if you're a band and you have influences, just stop at having influences. That's like or me. Just, I'm basically no, a band. No, I just don't just, act on my influences. Take one influence and try to harness it and play it all the way through your album. This is a mishmash of hipster shit. Hmm. It's Atlanta kids trying to be big city cool. It's fucking, it's fake. It's false. Actually, no, fuck that. I'm bringing this. <laughs> what, what was the total that we had? 8.1? 8.1. Okay, I give it a 6.2. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. What do we have now? <laughs> All right. Really? Naysay or Noah over here. Gives us a 7.7. Still there strong. You go. That's more accurate. This That's is more... a 7.7 album. That's actually my my uh rating is a 7.7 <laughs> but so I had you to make just sure. wanted your rating yes. to be the one that prevailed. <laughs> That's exactly. not how this works. <laughs> exactly. It, it's whack. It's whack. This album's whack. This album kind of pisses me off the more I think about it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, you're getting worked up, dude. Yeah. Talk about Ryle. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus. Right. Um, I, I All right, know. everyone. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, we know how Noah feels. Um, and the rest of us feel pretty good about it. But despite all that, the 7.7 lukewarm rating that we give it collectively. Where does it stand on the um, the smooth scale? I'm not going to go through the whole spiel this week. I'm just exhausted. Uh, so I think they, I think if they've you, heard it before, they get it. Yes. So would you rather listen to this? Uh, that however many tracks are on here, or listen to smooth? I'd rather just go to bed after I listen to this <laughs> album. <laughs> wow, this really took a lot out of you. The yeah. more I think about it, it's just the more it's just copycat shit. I don't know. There's there's nothing there. <laughs> I think we might need I... to end the podcast then because we got a long <laughs> row ahead of us of nothing there. <laughs> Bands being derivative ahead of us. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think they, they think they took those parts and made it something at least pleasant to listen, enjoyable to listen to and interesting. Um, but was uh, uh, for me was the hateful eight Quentin Tarantino's seventh album, seventh movie, probably. 
Yeah. I think so that's so, like, so that's basically intense. what this is. This is our seventh movie where it's just the most cynical and fucking <laughs> negative one of all is this episode. So I'm not job. even that Game negative. Up. I'm just like, this is where I think because th- in 2007, this is where I just tapped out of where I realized like there's such a backlog of older music that you don't really need to listen to 20 somethings referencing old music in a way that just sounds rote and like uninteresting i think i don't know yeah i think there's there can be a workable like symbiotic relationship though it's like you you appreciate other bands like older bands by how they play out in current bands and kind of vice versa sometimes so i mean i think that's what this band actually worked how they why they worked for me with this album is because it it reminded me of what their references of the references what i do enjoy and would return to so um yeah it can go either way really smooth scale uh for me i you know what i would be more interested in is is hearing carlos santana jam with these guys hearing or hearing them cover smooth i think there's some symbioticness (laughs) i think there's some symbiosis there where there can be some cool shit santana rocking some guitar lines over this spacey bullshit that noah seems to hate yeah you know i would like to hear like um it's not it's not smooth but like hear his like woodstock live set and then like (laughs) have them like splice in those ambient passages between like those barn burner ass jams they do i think that might have a cool like you know caleb i'm shocked that you like this so much (laughs) that's shocking to me well i thought i explained myself pretty well what what works for me in this album yeah i was digging it It it's a cool vibe it's jammy it's spacey and as I get older, I value those things in music. So keep it coming. Keep it coming, Deer Hunter. Hard to agree. Um, yeah. So, you know, speaking of uh, Deer Hunter, um, they went on to have, you know, bigger albums. I feel like every time they release an album, I guess for the next like three or four album cycles, they got a lot of hype. Like people were like really putting them in the conversation and yeah. really excited about what they were doing. So, um, yeah, it seems like, and then also with Atlas Sound, Bradford Cox, like a satellite project that had a lot of like you know positive that song attention. Song he did with Noah too. Lennox from uh, Animal Collective, like kind of semi blew up as far as the indie blog blogosphere went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I had that track sure. on repeat for for a good few months after it came out. I love that that whole record's great. Uh, I forget which one it's on, but um, I think it's his second record, maybe Parallax. Uh, anyways, uh, Logos. I, yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, you're right. I think it is Logos. Um, but yeah, good shit, man. Good shit. Yeah. It, yeah. And yeah, they they definitely every record seemed to got bigger, and they actually their last record was released, I believe, in 2019. Um, yeah. Which was still good. It was still held up pretty well. They this band is still yeah seems out like there. they yeah yeah it seems like it took on a bigger sound too and had high, high like loftier aspirations from every album subsequent so I have one right on. I've never heard any of those albums I have one Deer Hunter story about the uh, the album the two albums that came after this were what were they they were like a double album that came out in the same year two thousand nine. Uh, what micro castle and uh, weird era, weird era, era continues yeah continue yeah so i remember it was that was 2009 right 
Uh, 08, 09, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 So it was like maybe Halloween. 2010, maybe 2010, but somewhere around there. So I think it was Halloween 2009. And I get a knock on my door. And guess who it is? It's not a trick or treater. It's Dave, old David, our friend. And uh, shout out. Shout out. out to the Irishman himself. The Happy Irishman St. Patrick's himself. Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, you fucking. Uh, AKA the possum. I think he's Scottish, but uh, uh, it was him knocking on the door. Racially out him on this episode. <laughs> it was him knocking on the door, and I was like, Dave's not here, man. I think I literally did that bit, and he was like, it's like, it's Dave. And I was like, I was like Dave's not here. He's like, I got the stuff. I got the stuff. And he had a big old bag of shake, shake weed. <laughs> for the listeners at home shake weed is like the crumbs of a bigger bag of weed that accumulates at the bottom of a bag of weed but he had like an ounce of it and then he had a big old bong like a one footer glass bong a nice one can't remember what brand it was like one of those dutch companies adrian what was those ones with like the ice and all that oh shit? like zong or Zork yeah or it was like some high, fucking shit it's like yep. scientists made it um and we we're taking shake bong loads and what you gotta understand about shake bong loads it's like they fucking hurt your chest and they get you like really high but a shake snapper but anyway we we're smoking weed and it was halloween and trick-or-treaters were coming in and out and i was eating so much candy i ate like a hundred like kit kat bar individual little mini kit kats and uh, Dave was like, do you want to listen to that? I got that deer hunter and the weird micro castle weird era. And he like, said, yeah, get the fuck. fuck out of my car. And why would you ever <laughs> fucking bring this fucking band up? I'll fucking kill you. I was like, no, I heard about this band. Yeah, I think I kind of like him. Put it on. I was like, I think Adrian's into that band. He's like, yeah, Adrian's the one that turned me on to this. So he put it on, Dave puts it on, and Dave was dressed in a suit and he had like blood coming out of his ear and his mouth. He was like a oh, dead he was, weatherman. He was in costume? Oh, he was in costume. Yeah, dead weatherman. <laughs> and so we're getting high. We're listening to the deer hunter and like kids are coming in hunter. and out. Kids are coming in and out. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. Then we go outside to my porch at the time, the house I was living had like a stoop. And we go and I'm like, we're drinking beers at this time. I like smoke a cigarette and then I fucking fainted, dude. I like got like flushed and I was like, ah, and Dave was like, no, you okay? You okay? And I'm just hearing deer hunter in the background. And, and I was like, I remember saying like, fuck, I ate too much candy. And I got like a, <laughs> a head rush and I'm, I woke up on my porch and Dave and the woman I was dating at the time, they're like slapping my face. They're like, wake up, wake up. And then I think I got up and I was like, turn this music off. And then I went, took a shower and like went to bed. And it was like 9.30 on Halloween night. So let me get this straight. It was, you could only attribute to you losing consciousness due to candy and deer, deer hunter. hunter. And shake and, bong. Was. Oh, shake bong. Okay. I forgot about that part. <laughs> Great. Yeah. No, but, no uh, Coors, no Coors that day. I don't, I think we had just barely started drinking beer. Yeah, I was in. I was like, put the kibosh on that. Two beers in. (laughs) Yeah, that's a shame. Um, (laughs) sorry that happened to you. All right. Anyways, it's all all starting to make sense now. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, your trauma around this band. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's go into your game, Noah. 
Let's end this okay. on a high note. Let's uh, let's play some games, homie. On a he note. All right, coming back to play some games. I just want to say, I think my disconnect between a lot of indie rock stuff between young kids that came out in the 2000s that were making music to be put on the internet, it lacks like an authenticity where it's like they're influenced by like British punk rock, which is made by like poor kids. And they're influenced by like, I just don't think there's any teeth to a lot of this music where it's, it's in the internet era of where you can have a diverse record collection and you could take from here and here and here, but the, the actual, the origin of it just becomes lost and just becomes your name checking stuff. And, and there's no like, I don't know. There's it's no no weight to it. It's it's like it sounds like some twenty something kid that yeah maybe he's dealing with some stuff, but it's it's not. It's just not much there for me to grab onto. Anyway, you don't like the pastiche of it all. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like why, you know, latter Quentin Tarantino doesn't do anything for me. Bring it back to that. But um, all right, let's play a game. What do you got first, Noah? So I got a little game called Name the Movie, Name the Band. Okay. And so we got Deer Hunter nice. named after the Michael Chimera. They're named after Deer Hunter. I got that one. There you go. Um, so I'll name, I'll do a question, and then you guess the movie and the band name. Okay. All right, you ready? The singer cites a deep personal connection to this film's main character, Lloyd Dobler, and hence the name of his band. Eh, say anything. Yeah. Can you imagine this idiot say anything? He's like a, I think that's like, a like hardcore. Like a tween core band or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like Lloyd Dobler, he really speaks to me. It's like, no shit, you're a fucking dumb white kid. Don't articulate <laughs> that. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> that's how movies work they tug on your like sentimental like you don't have to actually say that and name your band <laughs> all right this band takes its name from a 1961 film starring marilyn monroe and clark gable and the misfits the two stars Damn. final roles before their deaths quick on the buzzer wow caleb so, sorry that was the misfits I just, it's made by my hero, short Well, Caleb, man. you're you're a Marilyn Monroe <sighs> guy. You got a tattoo of her on your. I'm a arm. big pinup. Yeah, I'm a big pinup guy. You guys can't <laughs> see me, but I have uh, I wear creeper shoes. I have a um, <laughs> a very sizable pompadour. I you got roll the poster. The, uh, I got the posters. I, I'm into rat fink. I'm into rat fink stuff. Rat finks, my favorite. What's the guy? Character. What's the guy that made Nighthawks? The the painter from Chicago. Ed Hopper. Ed Hopper, Caleb, Big Ed Hopper guy. Tell me you got the Nighthawks <laughs> with uh, I got the one that has Elvis, the lights. James yeah, Dean yeah. and uh, totally. Maryland. What's your top? Okay, top five night Nighthawks. If you Check could, this out. you could draw your own Nighthawks parody poster with like dead musicians and celebrities. Who who's sitting at that diner counter? Okay, so me. Hooper's Nighthawk. How many people are at the counter? I think there's, well, you got the the worker behind the counter, the soda, the soda jerk. jerk. Yeah. And then you got three or four of them. I think the there's counter. a couple. There's like two 
people. There's like a couple by the soda jerk, and then there's like another lonely dude. Okay, so here's yeah, Kurt Cobain knocking at the, the door <laughs> of the cafe. The soda jerk is Big L. The, oh, uh, no, I like it already. One of the people, because he's not tall, one of the people at the counter is Chris Bell. Ooh, um, from uh, uh, Big Star. Big Star fame. <laughs> I'm the Cosmos, the oldest member of the 27 Club. Um, and then you got uh, Fila Cootie. Wow. Also there. Um, Who's he coupled up with? He is coupled up with. Let's see the robot from Rocky Four. <laughs> the robot that they get for for Polly. Yeah, yeah, the robot they get for Polly, uh, which is from a club in Philadelphia that John Taffer used to. Um, Wait, did he die? Used to manage. Yeah, I think he's out of commission, so he got that uh. robot. Um, let's see who else. Uh, and they got one more, one or two more. I think one more. Um, gotta throw a woman in there. Yeah, yeah. Throw um, the, throw a woman in there. His, we the got drummer from Hole. What was her name? Oh, she passed. Kristen Faff. 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 I'm pretty sure she died of heroin. Who knows? That's too bad. Yeah. Um. No. No. I got Nina Simone. Just sitting by herself. Mm. Wow. All alone. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. All right. Here we go. Oh, and they and they all have full sleeves of traditional tattoos. It's like <laughs> it's that it's that like art too, that revisionist art as well. Nice. All right, you ready? This band takes their name from a nineteen thirty-two B movie starring Bella Lagosi. I, I know it. Adrian, I'll give you a chance. Yeah, uh, just go ahead. They're uh they're a famous uh triple self uh titled band. A little band called Black Sabbath. Nope. <laughs> no, what? No, my That's bad. a Mario Bravo movie. Oh fuck, you're right. Um, I didn't write down the answer to this one. No, I'm just <laughs> it's um <laughs> what the hell is it? We stumped, we stumped the stumper. We stumped the game master. It's uh oh, white zombie. Oh, white zombie. oh there you go. There you go. Okay, yeah. that movie's right. fucking good, by the way. Yeah, too, yeah. And that band know. isn't that bad. They used to be like a kind of like a downtown New York like noise rock band. Yeah, yeah, that that box set's yeah, actually pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That's solo Robert Zombie. Solo Robert Zombie. Brother of Spider from Power Man 5000. Okay, here we Didn't go. Didn't he die? Who? Spider from yeah. Power Man 5000? Someone, someone died from Power Man 5000. Anyways. I think of the guy, the going. original singer from Drowning Pool. He died years ago. The dude from uh, Come My Lady. Come, come, my lady. He died. Shifty Shellshock died? I think so. <laughs> Rest in power. What's that band called? Crazy town, baby. Crazy town. Oh, which brings you know me to my that next band... question. Which brings me to my next question. <laughs> this Oakland band took their name from which Lousy Hofstrom film? Is it A, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms? Is it B, The Shipping News? Or is it C, My Life as a Dog? 
The shipping news is a slow core band, but I believe yeah. they're from Austin, <laughs> Texas. Um, oh, I know the shit. answer to this. Yeah. What is it? Okay, I, Adrian, yeah. do you know it? Uh, specifically from Oakland, though. I don't know. I'm going to. Is it? Gonna I think it's My Life as a Dog, right? Whoa. Hell yeah. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Go check out My Life as a Dog. They got their. Do you have any of the. Are any Life is My Dog streaming on uh, Spotify? Hmm, that's a good question. I haven't even I haven't yeah. even thought of that band in years. So uh, maybe maybe Dude, we have to be do underrated. A, actually, pretty underrated. Yeah, I don't know if you'd like them. No, we had influences. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they were the West Coast. Um, what you call it? I heard they were the West Coast Southern Strokes. The West oh, okay. Coast. Southern that makes Strokes. sense. Okay. Yeah. Sure. sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Wasn't uh, Kings of Leon supposed to be the... the exactly. So you're the oh, West Coast Kings of Leon. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Fair enough. I wish I had an NFT. That'd be cool. Moving All on. right. Here you go. Moving on. These ska revisionists took their name from a slogan uh, seen in the 1980s hit movie starring Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> okay, I I know what this one is. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I think we oh, I think we both got this one. I'll let you yeah. go. go ahead, Caleb. Go ahead. Uh, that band was called Save Ferris. Caleb, big Jeffrey Jones fan. You got it. <laughs> you know, uh, you know who? Uh, Only his personal this... life, though, not his movies. <laughs> a co-host of the show whose name <laughs> oh. is not Adrian owned owned that um, CD. What's as that? a child, as oh, a boy, a, a, a host of the show not named Adrian. Oh, wow. I'll uh, give him more credit than Deer Hunter first. For, uh, yeah, because Ska Punk them. was not derivative at all of anything. <laughs> they <laughs> at least seem like they're from the streets of Orange County. A band from 1996 from. would sound like a band from 1994 in Ska. Where are they so. from? Uh, def- definitely Orange County. I think, yeah, I think all that shit was from like Southern California. But at least it has some pep in its step. That's All true. right. Get that. This band's name derives from a play on the title of a Meryl Streep starring film, Sophie's Choice. Can you repeat that? <laughs> this band's name delivers from a play on the title of a Mary Meryl Streep star starring film Sophie's Choice. The play on Sophie's Choice. This band's name derives from a play on the title. I don't know. I wrote these questions in a hurry. <laughs> derives from a tell. play on the title of Meryl Streep starring film Sophie's Choice. Okay, so it'd be like a different name decision. Zoe's decision. Sophie's in the title. Is it Sophie's ghost, Noah? Yeah. Yeah. Sophie's ghost. ghost. (laughs) Fucking, I knew it. The the ghost, Sophie's ghost, is haunting this podcast episode. (laughs) Nice, dude. Well done. Well, this has been the conclusion of our seventh episode. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Next week, we're fucking, you know, we're talking about politics we're gonna talk about religion we're gonna talk about sex we're gonna talk about violence talk about all that good shit with uh 
Are You Lar by none other than MIA from 2005. So hack into the 5G and check that out next week. And um, this has been our Deer Hunter episode, much to Noah's chagrin. Thank you for stopping by. <laughs> oh, I like uh, it. It slaps. It slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Thank you to Kiki Pedaphor Ontiveros of Horrible, Adorable, and Solo Fame for our slapping theme song. Uh, thank you, Adrian, for all your stellar production work and for uh, Noah for keeping the bits alive. Check us out online at uh, whackerslaps.com. Uh, follow us on socials at whackerslaps. Talk some shit via email at whackerslaps at gmail. Send us uh, your critiques. We really know that's serious. Send us your. Thoughts. Yeah, send us voicemails too. Like, you know, we give you the preview of who we're doing yeah. the week before. So Dave, if you have time to- Dave, I know you're listening. Send us it. your thoughts. Send us what you think <laughs> of. Send us what you think of the album we're doing next. What we just did. Any of that. All feedback is good, and we definitely are in need of it. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, and for Noah and Adrian, I am Caleb, and this has been Whack or Slaps. And as always, what made Milwaukee famous? Question. Ooh. Emblematic of erratic relics of psychedelic regalia made by millennial would-be wonderkins posing as princes of psychotic solemn cystic pop slash indira. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>